so much better now that I'm just a normal guy. Now that I'm not. Now that I'm not. Now that I'm not. Hello, pig floopers, and welcome back to Flooping the Pig. First time in two years, I think. When we were last here, we were complaining that Wizard City did not feel like a good finale for Adventure Time. It turns out it's not one. Now we're back for Adventure Time, colon, Fiona and Cake. I'm Brad Garoon, and I'm here with Kevin Ford and Justin Houston. What's up, guys? Hey, good to be back. Yeah, agreed. This is Justin. It's I'm Kevin. Also, Flipping the Pig is now for the first time in... We've been doing this for eight years, on and off, mostly off. This is the first time we've had our own feed on iTunes and Spotify. So you can listen to us without listening to having to sort through a million other of Kevin's podcasts. That's right. Yeah. So if you just search Floop the Pig anywhere, it's the easiest way to go listen to the archives. And of course, these uh, new episodes, we're covering the Fiona and Cake series. So very exciting stuff all around. I think this is also the most up to date we've ever been doing one of these. I mean, we were we were OK with Distant Lands. We got them relatively quickly, but we're recording this just a couple of days after the first two episodes of Fiona and Cake. Yeah, out. I think when we did the original run, like we caught up to the show and that's when we started doing the comics and stuff. And then, it you know, kind of fell by the wayside. But then we, you know, then we had to wait for it to be done and finish all that. But yes, we're definitely as close to we can be to like air date. We've matured, I think, you know, as we've gotten older uh i think we've just become uh more conscious of each other's time and effort it takes to put into this podcast so we're just you know better people than we were when we started this justin you put in so much effort for these podcasts i know uh but yeah so all this to say is we're going to be covering episodes one and two and that's all we've seen we have not seen any of the episodes and when we do three and four we'll have only seen the first four so yeah very cool to not know what's coming next as we cover these episodes this is a direct continuation of Distant Lands, which, okay, let's go. Let, let me back up a little bit. Distant Lands was a weird thing because it took place in four different timelines and we didn't really know until halfway through each episode where we were, or in some cases at the end of the episode, where we were in the timeline and ended with Wizard City, which wasn't really connected to the rest of the story and felt a little weird as the final episode. We pick up now in a similarly disorienting place where Fiona Campbell, we learn her last name, uh, is is real and cake is real. And we don't know when it is. Well, it seems like it's modern day. And a yes. lot of right. And a lot of the characters seem to uh, be there, um, even gender swapped ca- characters we haven't seen before, but all in the real world, which is pretty cool. Before we get into what happens in Fiona Campbell, I just want to say I think it's really neat that this now I, I guess we don't really discover this until the second episode, but now we know this show is a direct sequel, I guess, or just a continuation of Adventure Time taking place maybe 10, 15, 20 years after the show ended with the show proper, which I just think is super dope. Yeah, and surprising, like right? Like, are we, like, did that catch you off guard or did you think that's what it was going to be? I had no idea. Even after, okay, so a couple of days before the show came back, Kevin sent us all the latest trailer for the show. And I was a little bummed because it showed Finn in the trailer but I, I still didn't know what that was going to be. I mean, that could be just like Distant Lands where they show stuff that's completely unrelated. I was shocked and really happy to see it. Yeah, me too. I was shocked and really happy to see it because you see so many other shows where they'll do stuff either that's like non-canonical or so far off the timeline as to not mess with like the original source material. And I thought that's what it was going to be. And that's why it was a Fiona and Cake thing. Like, okay, this is more of that universe that doesn't necessarily mess with 
the Adventure Time timeline, so it can exist in its own little time and place. And if you like Adventure Time, you like this too. But to be a direct continuation has me way more excited to go through the rest of the show for sure. Well, yeah, I expected prime prime timeline corridors, right? Like not really a broader look at the space post-Adventure Time, just a sort of a, an on-the-rails thing to sort of get us where we're going in some sort of, I'm guessing, multiverse thing. So I thought a lot of that that they showed in the trailer was going to be multiversal. So the fact that they immediately you know, grounded this in, nope, this is the world you already know, but, you know, after you knew it, um, is, uh, was totally unexpected. It took a little bit for me to sort of go, but is it, is this, you know, cause you mentioned that in the first episode, you sort of just get dropped in. And so you're left to sort of go, am I seeing what I think I'm seeing, or is there more to this? But at least with the second episode, it seems pretty concretely in the timeline that we know. Totally. Let's talk about the first episode. Kevin, I'm assuming you're going to recap us like mm. usual. You bet. Before we do that, I just want to piggyback off what Justin said a little bit. Not only did they just drop us into one disorienting timeline, they kind of dropped us into two. And the first thing they did was drop us into what turned out to be a dream sequence. Justin, have you? I'm pretty sure Kevin hasn't. Have you watched Bee and Puppycat? I have watched it. I have recommended it to Kevin. I don't know if they watched it, but um, this had vibes of that throughout. For sure. Yeah, especially that dream. I, I was like, this, wow, this looks just like being Puppycat. I wonder if they, I wonder how much of the staff of that show is working on this show. And then it switched to more conventional Adventure Time style animation, which was cool. But anyway, I leave it to you, Kevin. So I have not seen Bee and Puppy Cat, but I did catch that it was a very like anime inspired one with you got Cat Butt or Rat Bus instead of Cat Bus from Totoro. Fiona's dressed as Sailor Moon. But when you see it, it's like, okay, this is the Fiona and Cape we know. And then we learn it's a dream. And we learn it's her third night in a row dreaming about Ice Prince, the real Fiona Campbell. And sadly, the real life for her is not as exciting and fun as her dreams. In the real life, she lives alone in what we see is like a very messy apartment with her cat cake. And it's a real cat. It's not a talking dog like Jake. It's just an actual cat. Uh, we also learned she was recently dumped by a DJ Flint. So Cake is losing her mind seeing these glowing lights out of things with ice in them. First, it's the ice machine on the fridge. Uh, Fiona decides to take her to the vet and it's on a bus where she is also a tour guide. That's her day job. And cake freaks out seeing an ice rink glowing. And that gets Fiona fired from her job. As Brad mentioned, there's tons of adventure time analogs, but I think the most significant is Gary, the coffee shop owner and baker who is a princess bubblegum analog and baking is his creative outlet. He aspires to create his own bakery. And while Fiona's there getting some coffee, cake sees the same glowing light from the freezer in the store. Uh, so as Fiona is going to the vet, she runs into Marshall Lee and we learn that uh, his mom is also Fiona's landlord. So the homeless street musician has a more admirable profession than his own mother. Fiona wants him to ask his mom for rent on extension. He says, well, I can't do that. They're not talking. But here's a friend I have named Ellis who will take a look at cake for the price of some of the pastries that she has. So on her way to the forest, she also runs into Hunter, who's a Huntress wizard analog and brings Fiona and Cake to LSP, which I was delighted to see this universe is LSP. And during Ellis's half-assed examination, where Fiona wonders if Cake is just bored and looking for something more magical, Cake runs toward yet another sparkly blue light in the distance, which is housed inside of an ice cream vendor stand. Cake jumps into the stand and both her and the light disappear. And that's where episode one concludes. What did you think of the episode, Brad? I thought it was pretty cool. 
I well, the thing that got me the most and had me pausing over and over and over again were these analogs you mentioned. Um, I'm going to run through the ones I caught. There were definitely some I couldn't figure out. You had, well, first off, in the dream, you had Ice Prince, which is not, I mean, it is the Ice King, essentially. And I only say that because he has his own version of Gunter and because he has the jewels from his crown on his shoulders and I guess like a necklace. And then once she gets out of the dream, you have Gary, who is Bubblegum, as you mentioned, Marshall Lee, with Donald Glover coming back to reprise his voice. Um, Chelsea Peretti, I believe, is also back as the Queen of Ooh analog, who is Fiona's boss. On the tour bus, there was, uh, I think, a fern. Correct me if you think it's some, that grass person with grass in their hair was someone different, but I, I think it was fern. Um, definitely a starchy, definitely a banana guard, probably a hot dog prince, Abracadanielle. And then before they got on the bus, even there was a female version of Ash and Wildberry Prince, I guess it would be, walking their dog. And then later we saw Lemon Hope, both lemon, both versions of Lemon Grab and the Lemon Camel as like a Karen in a park, which I think... I could be wrong, but I think is a a nod to a story that happened in Central Park about a woman and a man who got in a fight over a dog who wasn't on a leash, which would be very funny if that's what they were going for. Uh, there was the ice queen who had the ice cream stand that Cake jumped into. Um, there may have been more, but there were, oh, and a, and a bunch of banana guards. And then there were a couple of roller derby girls who turned out to have analogs in the second episode, but I don't want to get ahead of myself. I thought it was great. I was bummed out by Fiona's life and it there was something in the second episode that bums me out as well. It's a TV trope where the people that you loved who had happy endings in their old show always have to be sad in the reboots of their shows or movies. This happens to all Harrison Ford characters, um, <laughs> happened to Michael Keaton in the terrible flash movie. We'll see. It happens to ice King in the second episode. Although I just watched come along with me. He's actually quite unhappy at the end of adventure time. So it's, it's not too much of a stretch, but it happens to Fiona here. She's, she's really restless and everyone else seems to sort of have their crap together. It got me really excited in hopes that we go back to this part of the world because I want to meet the Hudson Abadir analog in this world, um, Marshall Lee's mom. And I don't think we're done with Gary's story. And also, I, I need to see something bad happen to DJ Flame, who dumped Fiona unceremoniously, which was just not cool, over text. I liked it. It was a good start to the show, and it was just disorienting enough to keep me interested. What about you, Justin? Yeah, I would say I had a lot of issues with going oh it's that guy oh it's that it's that person oh look it's that so it was it was a bit i need to watch it another time i should have watched it another time because it was it was sort of difficult to focus it was I, I, honestly impossible one time through to focus solely on the story beats because there was so much who's that again or who is i know that hairstyle looks familiar as people are talking and investing you in the story that they're telling so um that gets uh that that could get a little distracting um uh i but overall i i liked the episode i liked that it wasn't too um you know i think restless is a perfect way of of describing their situation not necessarily bad or awful just you know not not fulfilled essentially and we'll see more of that sort of mirrored uh storytelling in the second episode that i think may inform you know, we I'm I'm on the fence about this, but uh, so I, I like the episode, but I am not sure that what we're seeing with Fiona is, quote unquote, like reality or real. Um, I I think there may be more to it than that, than just they are in a real place, because there was a lot of comments about how small the world is, how they don't know where they came from. 
um, how like there's they're just certain memories, like they've known each other forever. I don't necessarily believe that this is a real world. Uh, I'll tell personally. you where I think that I hadn't thought of that. But as you were saying it, the fact that only Cheers is on television yes. is a big hint that that's probably the case. Yes, within 20 seconds. And she changes the channel and it's Cheers once again. And we'll talk about that here when we get to the second episode. Um, so because I had sort of, um, it, it's kind of like watching The Sixth Sense when you when you figure out the twist early. You're watching a different movie with someone that doesn't know. Because I kind of figured what I think was going on early, it informed the rest of the episode. And a lot of that felt confirmed with the, the matching vibes of the second episode. Um, overall, I would say because it was slightly less of a downer, I preferred the first episode. Um, and I liked, I liked a lot of the little funny bits, the interactions with people. I can't, Im- I, here's another thing that surprised me. And I, I want to ask you both about this. I expected this to be way more consumable standalone. Uh, it's inedible unless you've seen Adventure Time, right? Uh, not only unless you've seen Adventure Time, but in the days that followed, I have not only gone back and watched the episodes again, where you see things like Magic Man is now a sign in this in this like a, a store sign, and so is Tree Trunks. Like I had to go back to many other episodes from the show, like watch all five Fiona and Cake episodes, watch and then a bunch of episodes I didn't expect to go back and watch after Googling. Wait, wait, like you said, what is this? I had to go back and see. It, it's also um, surprisingly adult or more so than the original show there were more almost swear words like um we get a, a lot GD. of we get a full gd near the end i, I thought she's i thought cake said the f word in the dream when i heard it i was like what right yeah, i still don't know what they said i just they went, said well, no they didn't a, do that so she was doing uh hockey puns and it was puck you ah uh, um, okay. and then she made a cat trick instead of a hat trick joke sure so, so they covered their they covered their butts on that but yeah there was a gd and then there was in the second episode, there's a lot of blood. Um, yeah. So it's it's not. Oh, and also cake or not cake. Fiona takes her pants off in the middle of the street and is only wearing underwear, which is That's fine, true. but still surprising. Yeah. Especially because it takes place in the real world. Kevin, what do you think about how accessible or, or inaccessible this was? You 100 percent have to watch Adventure Time before watching this, because, again, it's a direct continuation of the show. So, yeah, as a standalone, I can't imagine someone going into it cold, not, not watching Adventure Time and getting nearly as much out of it as as we are i watched each episode twice and yes the first time was very much uh you know fun catching all the easter eggs and stuff and then being able to digest the story the second time i liked it and a lot of it too was just like again i i don't think i've watched any adventure time since we covered distant lands and it really did feel like just like a big warm hug being back in the universe and seeing those characters again seeing that you know the changes that they did make with uh, you know, LSP being different than they are in the in the Fiona and Cake world, which, you know, I guess that's mystical versus what the real world versions of are them. Uh, but still very interesting to see what changes were made. And I was also thinking about how with the Fiona and Cake and Fiona episode, how Ice King gets all his ideas from them being beamed into his head, but also the quote, real Fiona had the videotape of the episode made me th- think like Justin did, like, okay, what is... What's going on here? Maybe things aren't as cracked up as they are to be, but I definitely very much enjoyed it. And I immediately was like, I got to watch episode two, see where this goes. And I was a little thrown off when it was something different until we got to the ending of that episode. But uh, I was I was I bought into the to the concept of it. Um, And yes, LSP definitely helped with that buy in. 
And I think the only analog bride you didn't mention was the boss of the bakery being a butterscotch butler analog. I'm so I have it written down and I'm so mad I didn't say it. But I think that's uh, that's the only one you didn't cover. And it's the classic. No, make the make the baked goods that sell things. This isn't for your artsy fartsy bakery stuff. Right. Uh, she did a great job. Oh, no, sorry. There's there's a couple more, actually. Um, in the dream or maybe even in a montage cake. I might be in the opening because the opening of episode one is different than the opening of episode two. The the uh, title card. Yeah. Um, and it's great. It gives like a lot of those story beats. That's how you learn about DJ Flame dumping. Right. Her. So it's definitely worth watching. I think the one from episode two is going to be the one for the rest of the show. But I don't know. We won't know until Thursday. Um, there is a cake is playing with a cat toy. That is uh, science, the lab rat from the real Adventure Time world. And, and there's the BMO alarm clock. And the BMO yeah, alarm the clock. One. Yeah, that's the other one I remembered as well, the BMO alarm clock. Um, there are a I couple would, more, but I, would, I don't know I who they pay money are. For that product. <laughs> if they don't sell it, it's crazy. Um, <laughs> there's a couple more. There was like the, I, I just couldn't remember who the character was. There's a guy with a leaf on his shirt or maybe a girl with a cowlick haircut and a leaf on their shirt and they're juggling or they're playing with what look like kind of Benoit balls um, on the street next to Lemon Hope. In the second episode, this isn't, we'll get into it more, but in the second episode, the Ice King walks by a character um, who is wearing a shirt with a leaf, or sorry, who has a leaf on their forehead and is playing with those sticks that you, like three sticks that you hit together. Yeah. Uh, but but the characters don't look the same. So I don't know if I don't know if they were supposed to be the same. But it does inform, you know, my theory, part of my theory about what's going on and also the the uh, continuity of uh, both just theme and just general happenings of, of the first and second episodes. All right, Kevin, why don't you take us through the second episode? Sure. So the second episode is called Simon Petrikov, and it actually starts with a scene from post Mushroom War era where Simon, who at this point is somewhere between Simon and Ice King, is keeping uh, Marceline safe from monsters. Uh, so in the modern days, we're after the gum war of the, the end of the Adventure Time Cartoon Network timeline. Simon works in like this personalized 20th century home for visitors in the land of Ooh. And a kid asks him, hey, why'd you stop writing Fiona and Cake novels? And he makes it known those are written by the Ice King, not me. And the girl is sad that whatever Simon's girlfriend did, uh, turned him into a boring old guy, which results in Simon throwing away her copy of the book that she wants signed and shooing them all away and closing the ex exhibit early out of anxiety. And we see in his house, he has a shrine to Golb that includes the Enchiridion and a snail shell. And he's also keeping something in a birdcage under a blanket that we can't see. So he goes and has a drink at the, the Candy Kingdom Saloon, which Dirt Beer Guy is behind the bar. Uh, and he gets further upset when he's paying for his drink and a photo of Betty falls out of his wallet. And Dirt Beer Guy talks about how inspired he was the Fiona and Cake stories because he's written his own book. Uh, and then we see modern Finn, as well as TV, Jake's uh, kid, both at the bar telling him how much that they liked the books and Jake liked them. And Simon says, you know, I'm not proud of those stories. I don't relate to them anymore. And he admits he used to dress up as the Ice King to try and forget about how screwed up his life is now. And Finn asks about if he's talked to Marcy about it. And he says, no, he doesn't want to freak her out. So Finn sees just how upset he is and says, I'm going to take you on a quest to lift your spirits. And they go to what Finn says is the most ancient part of Ooh, the heart of the forest, and they're blindfolded. So they presumably just stumble upon this place. And it's a place where Huntress Wizard said no one should ever go. And things go wrong. Finn has to save them both by being eaten by this giant fish with a guy inside. 
And also when he sends Simon to go get firewood to keep his mind off of things, he gets attacked by a wolf who Finn has to also save him from. So Simon's still depressed and he's walking home and he decides to call Marcy. And at the time, her and PB are getting tattoos at a tattoo shop and the noise and the ruckus and the commotion going on there makes it more or less a one-sided conversation and Simon doesn't get anything from it. So when he gets back to the house, we learn it's an evil choose goose inside of the birdcage in his home. And he reminds Simon of the anguish that Betty put herself through to save him. And this is when he decides to use his gold shrine and magic to try to return him to Betty. But instead, what happens is a blue portal opens up on the backside of his head and Cake jumps out of it and is now brought into his world. And then I believe it's Prismo's house we see at the end of the episode with a remote control, a purple button begins to light up on it. And that's where we leave episode two. Justin, what did you make of episode two, Simon Petrikoff? I mean, man, so much stuff to chew on <laughs> in terms of like just just lots of head scratchy stuff. So I'll I'll start with just the 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 tone of the episode and whether I enjoyed it or not, which is I didn't really, but I don't think you're supposed to. You know, I don't think you're supposed to necessarily. Um, it's it's meant to be pretty sad and bleak. I just kept thinking this is really bleak. Um, it was nice seeing Finn, although I he was very um, not Finn like, and I think that's that bothered me for a little bit. There's there's two big things that bothered me throughout these episodes. That after I thought about them, I realized that they were probably good choices and and reasonable choices. One of them was that Finn just comes across as I, I, not unlikable, but like. It's like they wrote him knowing he's not the protagonist. So he doesn't have to necessarily be all that appealing. And he does he does a couple of things that are, um, kind, you know, I think he assumes that uh, that uh, Simon has plot armor or something. This, the idea that he would think that Simon could take the bear is sort of insane. Um, so it, it, he comes across as a little like aloof or um, just not uh, not not thinking so clearly. If I may. I yeah. think that Finn is John Cena now between the jorts and the relentless positivity in the face of all indications to the contrary. That's all I could see. He shrugged off a serious back wound, like genuinely, I think, followed it with a shrug and said, will that look cool? So there is there is an assumption of of uh, the way his life is going. Yeah, that there's not a whole lot of like that that kid who wrestled with everything. Not here. You know, there's not a whole lot of that anxiety, at least that, that was presented to us. There's there's a self-assured person that knows who they are, their place in the world, and sort of assumes that everyone can sort of do what he does, or at least in this case, that Simon can do what he does. And uh, there wasn't any angst. There wasn't a drop of angst. In fact, even the idea of Simon being angst wasn't, wasn't something that Finn went out of his way to uh, explain to commiserate on it was immediate well that's simply a mountain you need to climb over um and we'll do that mountain blindfolded so uh i found that uh kind of odd and yeah just the whole episode was was very bleak i thought it was an interesting story it's probably necessary for what happens next and there's lots of little breadcrumbs in here you know like with with you know what what will potentially pay off like choose goose 
was doing a rhyme about Fiona and Cake when Simon got distracted doing this uh, this intense spell with gold. You know, did that play some role? You know, and then obviously the hint at Prismo, which is like, again, it's unconsumable if you haven't seen like all of Adventure Time. You know, like you have to know who some of these characters are. Like you don't need to know the analogs in the first one. It certainly helps and will help when whatever is revealed is revealed. But that tease at the end of the second episode is very much oh i know you either know who they're teasing or they don't they give you no indication uh one way or the other but um yeah i uh i thought it was kind of bleak uh what about you brad well first what was that was the choose goose thing the second of the two things that you didn't like but then came to maybe respect by the end the second thing that i i didn't really like it was more about the first one is that it felt like fan fiction it felt like, oh, here's that character, here's this character, and then this character gets a thing, and that character does a thing. And the more I thought about it, it went, that might have been purposeful. And that might have been, you know, uh, there's there's a reason behind doing that. In the second episode, it's to make sure you understand and breed familiarity with this world and give a chance to, I'm assuming when I can spend a ton of time here, but I could be wrong, to give a little opportunity there. And the first one, if it if this is not in fact not a real thing, there may be a very good reason that this felt fan fictiony. Um, so those were my two problems that I sort of, after I thought about it, went, ah, I don't, that's not that big a problem. You're using language that sort of gets at, I mean, if it's fan fiction, the whole show is about fan fiction characters. So, yes. So I felt a little more positive than you, but also quite bummed out by it. I had a hard time with Simon's nonstop, like, dude, get a grip. You're a cartoon character. I didn't mind Finn's transformation into, like I said, like a, like a John Cena type for me, for two reasons that were spelled out. One is this is post Jake. So I think you could, let's say this is a reality, like a real reality. Finn is now mentoring TV, which doesn't exactly, I, I can't remember in the bubblegum and Marceline distant lands was TV with Finn in that van. I'm okay. pretty sure. So that's where that comes from, because at the end of Come Along With Me, TV has opened up his own investigation business. I, so this yes, is I do remember from that. that. He's mentoring TV. He has to be very positive in that. And then also they sort of hint that maybe Finn is with Huntress Wizard. There was like a, a moment in the first episode where Fiona and Hunter are nose to nose. And yeah, nothing's really going on there. But I think they wanted you to maybe think that maybe something could happen between those two in the future. And, and I think that was a nod at maybe Finn is with Huntress Wizard. We know that Finn liked Huntress Wizard during Adventure Time. He could have a uh, cloudy mind, a uh, cloudy lady mind. <laughs> I just watched the movie Ran, the Akira Kurosawa movie Ran. Have either of you seen that? No. Nope. The whole movie is about how one guy destroys his entire family and country because he has a crush on a girl. So this could be Finn's version of that. Okay. <laughs> it's very good, by the way. It's one of the most visually beautiful sure. movies you'll ever see. Just so everyone knows, Brad has a movie podcast now, so he's going to be that guy. And every episode is like, here's seven movie references. I'm reminded not necessarily so, but there were some in this show. So maybe, <laughs> but I liked, I, I, I found myself, I think like you, Justin, not liking it so much as I was watching it because I felt s sad at what I was watching. I didn't like seeing Simon be so down, so inconsolably down throughout the episode. I, by the way, I had a different reaction to that. Mine wasn't, why won't you pick yourself up, Simon? It was, why isn't anyone picking him up around him? Well, like, yes, here's a guy. Thank you. People, That's exactly yeah, what I thought too. People, people identified his 
issues as Ice King for, for the longest period of time. So now that he's Simon, maybe there's an assumption that he can self-regulate. Um, but yeah, it really bummed me out that no one, that every, and, and again, maybe that's a juxtaposition between being someone from the 20th century and being someone from this time period. He felt like a character from a TV show that didn't belong in this TV show. And maybe that's it. Maybe that's, you're supposed to feel that sort of alienating, come on, man, we're supposed to have fun times. And it's like, no, he lived a whole life and he he fought really hard. He became a madman uh, just off the obsession of getting the love of his life back and for a brief moment had them and then lost them again, potentially permanently. And um, yeah, it's 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 a downer and it kept bumming me out that no one was uh, pulling him, pulling him back up. Well, part of it is this pretty stark dividing line between the humans and all the magical creatures of Ooh. Like Finn assumes that Simon will, is happy now because there are all these humans in the human city. The humans don't like 20th century Simon, so he's isolated from them as well. But there's pretty clearly, even though the humans are now there, they're they're in a floating city. So they've completely isolated themselves from the rest of Ooh. Uh, I don't know if they're going to get into this separation between the species, but it seemed pretty stark to me that the humans live completely on their own, but it doesn't seem like there's any other mingling between these two groups after the humans showed up in the montage at the end of Come Along With Me. So I think there's an assumption among the people of Ooh that Simon should be feeling better now that there's all these people there. But we all know that that Betty is a big part of this and just the fact that he feels like a person out of time. Kevin, what do you think of the episode? I liked it a whole lot. And for me, it's a lot of like Simon having to get to the place where he uses magic to try to go back to a place better. And like, what does it do to a person when they're already sad and has to be overcome with tremendous guilt about Betsy sacrificing herself from him. And everybody's saying, Hey, you're sad and old now. Remember when you used to do these stories, those were better. You should do those again. They made me happy. And everyone's just telling him this in his life. And then eventually Finn's like, let's go on an adventure. And it's very much the, that's what cheers me up, but I'm not asking you what you want. We're just going to do this thing that I think will make you feel better because it makes me feel better. And then it doesn't. And when he's going home, he tries to talk to Marcy about it and she's not listening to him. Then she doesn't know what's going on. So it's like nobody's listening to him. Nobody, Nothing's making him feel better. So he gets that place where, well, this is all I have left is to try to use this magic to, to get to get me back to that place. And then here comes cake. And I'm like, man, I can't wait to see where we pick up in episode three. So was it sad? Of course. But I liked how that story all went and it got him to where he was, where it made sense for him to be like, I got, I, I have literally nothing le- to lose. Let's try to let's try to magic our way out of this. I think the part it- of the episode that got me back on board was when Rebecca Sugar's song started playing during his sad walk back to the human city. Oh, she is magic. What a great song. So, and yeah. that lyric is about how he's no longer magic. And he thought that not having magic and thus madness and sadness. And then at the end, she says like radness and gladness and all these other things just because the song has to be silly at the end. But it's a beautiful song. And it gets to his journey where he's lost all those things. It didn't make him happy. And now he's going to try to get them back. Very cool. It could it be perceived as a, as a meta commentary in the beginning when he talks about, I don't have this, you know, those characters were fun and bright on Adventure Time in general and how a, a broad complaint about the series, the original series, was that it was this fun kid show that didn't have these sort of serious tones grew up. And there were some complaints about, oh, I just wish they went back to just their simple, wacky adventures that here's this guy who doesn't have that luxury. And it's, you know, like we commented that it was it's a more adult show. This is this 
maybe the only franchise I know of like animated franchise or this that, that insists on continuing to get older, not just the characters, but tonally as well. I, I think that's a fairer take. I do think it's interesting that I because when you said that, I was like, oh, well, there's Steven Universe, but the tone of Steven Universe stayed the same, even as the character grew up. Here we have characters becoming adults and now they're swearing and there's blood and and uh, half naked people in the street. And they're assuming, I think, and I think it's safe to say this because the show is inaccessible to someone who hasn't watched Adventure Time. I think they're assuming that the audience has grown up. We, we started watching it as adults, but a lot of folks didn't. I mean, my brother, my half brother, who I watched this with, he was six, seven when he started watching. He's 17 now and he, he won't be watching this. He doesn't care about this anymore. <laughs> yeah, my, yeah, my kids pull like into that. it. They. They they started this whole thing when we when they were five or six. Now they're fifteen, so I I like that. I like that. Uh, and it's honestly uh, it's probably a little too unnecessarily complimentary, but I, I think it's a brave thing to continue to have characters move forward and not necessarily stay uh, exactly the same as it were. It makes it at least for us. It makes it more interesting as an adult viewer to 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 sort of watch that growth even if it bummed us out how they got there i i expect bigger and brighter adventures after this i i'm hoping this is like tonally um maybe not the low point but a, 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 the, the only episode that is sort of meant to bum us out in its entirety uh in this run i'm hoping but um i, I expect there to be heavy moments abound yeah well we got prismo likely coming in the next episode so that'll ratchet things up tone wise one assumes yeah sadly sure. not voiced by kumail no speaking of voices i think i mentioned chelsea peretti's back as the queen of ooh or queenie in the real world donald glover is back as uh marshall lee we got All a song the, from it by the way also a very nice song yes that was that was very nice and simple and man he you just i don't know like uh i, I didn't expect something so straightforward and to, to really maximize his range as a performer but that was that was really cool yeah, he's great. I still need to finish season four of Atlanta. Me too. At most of the voice cast of the original characters are still there. Jeremy Shada, Hinden Walsh. Supposedly, we didn't see Princess Bubblegum, but she voiced some minor characters. Maria Bamford is back doing little voices here and there. Sadly, it seems we are in a universe where Jake is dead. So there's no John DiMaggio, although he was mean to me on Twitter once, so I don't care. Um, <laughs> uh, Dan Mintz was still TV. Um, SpongeBob SquarePants is still Simon Petrikov, Tom Kenny. I literally forgot his name there for a second. And you told me about the choice of they did uh, Adventure Time LSP and not oh, Peter yeah. Serafinowitz. So, yeah, that was very cool. So Peter Serafinowitz voiced gender swapped LSP, but if you watch that episode, The Prince Who Wanted Everything, Peter Serafinowitz only voices the male LSP because LSP herself does not like the Pendleton Ward voice. Right. So um, I did it, it worked, but it, this version of LSP works as Penn Ward, not as Peter Serafinowitz. For sure. I was and I was pleased that uh, this LSP didn't immediately like commit a war crime or something. So that was. <laughs> <nice>. <laughs> but they were a fake doctor that yeah. possibly led to this cat being sicker for longer. Wow, 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 right. wow. A absolutely a scumbag <laughs> still like that trait is throughout the entire multiverse still a scumbag but um and there's still time we have i'm sure we have not seen the last of uh I, i'm ex and maybe we can talk about this a little bit i'm i'm expecting a lot of uh of time and world hopping here that's that's what i'm my my theory it makes sense we've got our cube our yellow cube in the middle of the universe so it's certainly yeah. possible did you guys pick up on why choose goose was evil now nope no 
Okay, so I had to look it up and then go back and watch Wizard City and not just watch Wizard City, but also stay for the post credits scene of Wizard City. It's very you're doing go- you're you're doing Golb's work. I, Thank well, you. I hope I hope I'm doing Glob's work because I don't oh, want sure. to end up like Choose Goose. So in Wizard City, one of the least memorable things of Adventure Time, I remembered none of it before I rewatched it. It's the final episode of Distant Lands. At the beginning of the episode, Choose Goose is selling um, illicit moisturizing cream. Uh, in Wizard City, he sells it to Bufo, and then he asks Bufo for some water. Um, but all the water in Wizard City has been contaminated with the slime heart blood of a demon wizard who I think started all of wizardry and also was a terrible monster. Tiny Peppermint Butler turns into him at the end of Wizard City and then turns back. We're meant to think that Choose Goose has died. We just hear him explode and then there's just feathers on the ground. And then we see him explode later in a flashback and looks like he's dead. And all the other evil wizards who drink this heart blood slime die. But then in the post credits, it shows he's revived and he's evil and he's holding the tadpoles that live in that used to live inside of Bufo's throat because Bufo dies during the episode, also from drinking the slime uh, called the Icor. So, yeah, that's a lot of words to say that Choose Goose is evil now, although it seems he's dead. It seems like Simon has killed him. So all that it, it, it was just like this is such a deep, deep cut. I thought it was a different goose. It was. not Yeah, I I. I realized within about I th- I think I thought hard for about five seconds and went I will not get an answer so I uh, and I wasn't gonna look it up I just said this is one of these things that I'm sure there's lots of other people who don't have a podcast about this uh, that will not know or remember most of this stuff and they're somehow getting by so I said okay this will be the one thing that I'm either not gonna understand or I thought maybe they hadn't explained it yet you know like uh like how in episode one you're recognizing all these people but as she's walking you start going oh I don't know any of these I don't know these characters this is odd well that's you're not supposed to he gets informed in the second episode so I thought maybe it was something that would get informed that we didn't know now but you're saying instead it's a deep cut reference to a post credit sequence that doesn't exactly tie in but it leaves you just enough to assume not just a deep cut reference to a post credit sequence but a post credit sequence of a show that was part of the four part in between series that I'm sure very few people watched about as deep as it gets. It could only be deeper if it was a Frog Seasons reference. <laughs> yeah. Wasn't oh my God. Kevin, I take it that aside from the snail in the uh, in the uh, shrine, there were no other snails. As far as I know, I didn't see any. I mean, I don't know if you guys have any other theories. I have one big theory about the first episode. I I think I, I have a I have a a theory and then like a guess just based on past things. So my theory is is that this world that we're seeing in the first episode is the characters that exist in Simon's mind having sort of naturally formed their own world. That's why everything's sort of, um, they feel unfulfilled or they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. It's because part of, they, they still exist. So that portal in the back of his head, I think that's just straight up like his imagination or something like that. Um, and uh, I, I think that's what that is. That's why there's limits to the world, that they all exist still only in Simon's mind. But part of me also thinks, so was there ever an explanation to that that red beam that shot shot him in into the head and like beamed in Fiona and Cake? No, that was the last, but that is the last thing in Adventure Time proper. That's the last Fiona and Cake related shot in the series. 
my and this is my guess. This is my wild theory, right? I I think it's either Golb or some other demon who knows that it's it's like uh it's it's the eventuality of if you're if you're a demon outside of time space whatever and you're aware of uh, I get I get released or I get I become this all powerful god uh in this at this point in time by this person who apparently doesn't exist by a version of Finn the human that does not exist. Um, I, I, part of me thinks that because he was doing something with gold, it's like manifesting a, uh, like manifesting a prophecy, like need whatever, whatever was, you know, stimulating this in Simon's mind was one day needing some element of that to come into the real world to fulfill some prophecy or, or do something for them. Like they needed Fiona to be real for whatever this is to happen. And that's much more abstract than my first guess but yeah. uh still trying to put it all together but that's that's sort of what i'm thinking so between cheers and the fact that cake literally pops out of simon's head i think your first theory is very plausible i don't think i understood the second one and <laughs> no, but, me either <laughs> but it does sound and i haven't gone back and listened to old episodes of flooping the pig but it does sound feel vaguely familiar like maybe something you similar to what you theorized back when Fiona and Cake and Fiona came out. Uh yeah, yeah, like there's yeah, I, I don't think either one of you saw the show Angel. No. The the, the Joss Whedon show? Yeah, I've seen Angel. Yeah. Oh, did you? Okay. Yeah. So there's this there's this whole thing where there was a prophecy that Angel was going to like kill this guy and he knew it was going to happen and he was like, "Ugh, well, I don't want that." So in oh no, he, Angel's son was going to kill him. So yeah, Connor. Yeah, and so he was like I don't want that to happen. I'm going to make a new prophecy that'll convince them to like get this guy out of the way basically. So it's 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 uh it's not quite a bootstrap paradox, but it's the idea of like okay, I get released if this thing called Fiona uh releases me or cake or whatever. Well, they don't exist. Oh, I know. I will simply make them exist. That's the uh, grandfather and- paradox. Yes, 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 yes. Um, so their grandfather paradoxing characters that do not exist into existence to help release or fully empower a a chaos demon. That's 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 what I'm going with. When I did rewatch the the Fiona Cake episodes and then um, come along with me, I saw gold was red and it was very much like a similar color of red beaming the stuff into his head. I was like, hmm, I don't know how that would work out. But there is possibly something there when you mentioned that in chaos and whatnot. So I don't think you're too far off base. Very interesting to think about all this stuff, though. We're going to find out in a fairly short amount of time, hopefully. Well, the most so. the most important thing, too, is Golb is Betty now. So that makes yeah. it more possible. That's a good yeah. point. And Betty was a statue in a park in, in that, she uh, was. that world. Nobody knew who she was. And she wasn't gender swapped. Yeah. Yeah. Good call. You can't see this, but my fingers are are moving very quickly. Like, <laughs> ooh, the juices are flowing. Yeah, I'm really excited. I'm glad we're back. There's no other show that does this level of, uh, of like get my like geek gears grinding. You know what I mean? Where I'm like, can't even fully explain what I think is happening, but I'm really glad to have you guys and have this platform to to just sort of spit it out, and then we all sort of make shapes out of it. So, um, yes. yeah, this has been great. <laughs> Hopefully we can keep our schedules uh, open enough that we can be back, if not next week, shortly to make this happen through the right. We're going to be doing at least five episodes. So we're going to do them two at a time 
because we used to do them four at a time when they were half as long. Yeah. So Kevin mentioned I watched a lot of movies. I started a movie podcast. Last time we were here, I was doing this movie a day thing on Letterboxd and asking people to look at it. Don't worry about that. Worry about the uh, podcast. It's called Never Did It. I do it with my buddy Jake Ziegler. We are going back uh, the past 100 years of movies. And for each year, we ass- each assign the other a movie that the other person hasn't seen. And then we talk about them. The most recent one we recorded was 1933. We did King Kong, the original, and Sons of the Desert, the um, Laurel and Hardy movie. It's a blast. Still, as of now, our 2023 Barbie and Oppenheimer episode is the most listened to. I, I can't have it. It's too obvious. Please listen to the podcast so that that can change. It's good. Thanks, Kev. Oh, well, other podcasts, if you're on listening to this on Enter the Real World, Jerome and I have been doing shows we think have been canceled too soon, uh, covering one, doing one podcast a month. In the month of September, we're doing uh, Da Finch Man's Mindhunter from Netflix. And for the rest of 2023, we'll be doing uh, each season of Glow. We'll get its own episode. So that's what's coming from that. Justin. I don't I don't have any personal projects to plug, but uh, the bear on Hulu, there's two seasons. It's very good. Good as hell. Real good program. Seasons, two seasons of television. Uh, I saw an article recently that said regular people are saying, yes, chef, please stop. And <laughs> that, that was the most depressing article head I've ever seen. Felt very compelled to scream. You guys are no fun. Yes. And uh, <laughs> you should say yes, chef, and yes, Jeff, and yes, Jeffrey to whoever you want, whenever you want. Uh, I, I, I have adopted Herd. Herd is good. Uh, yes, it's a really good one to just stop someone from saying more things to you. <laughs> Herd. I flooped the pig. Come along with me And the butterflies and